0: Hi, welcome to the Canine Behavior Research Studies podcast, TLDR edition. Today, we're peeking into what we know about the effect of oxytocin administration on behavior. Oxytocin is known for its role in peer bonding, sexual and maternal behavior, peer recognition, and social memory. So the first paper... I'm going to consider today is titled Increased Serum and Urinary Oxytocin Concentrations After Nasal Administration in Beagle Dogs. And this came out of Frontiers in Veterinary Science in September of 2017. So the aim of this one was to determine the time course of oxytocin secretion into the blood and urine after intranasal administration, and also to establish a connection between blood oxytocin oxytocin concentration, and urine cortisol concentration um, in dogs. So what they did is they took six healthy intact beagles that hadn't been used for any other research before. Um, Four of them were included in the study group and two of them were control group with an even split with um, gender and those were randomly assigned to which group. And then what they're going to do is administer 12 international units of oxytocin, Or a similar volume of saline before testing. Um, So, the samples they're taking after administering that are blood and urine samples via IV catheter and urinary catheter at um, 15 minute intervals up to two hours after, and then 30 minute intervals up to four hours after. One thing that we need to keep in mind about this one is that. Even though the dogs had water in the meantime, they didn't drink enough of it to produce enough urine for there to be urine samples at all of those time points. So the statistics on the urine side of of this study were difficult. Um, So the results that we're looking at was um, that the maximum concentration in the serum after administration happened 15 minutes later. And then it fell back to normal levels in the serum or baseline levels at 45 minutes after administration. So it peaks quickly, it falls quickly. um, And for the control with saline, there was no increase in the oxytocin level in the blood. The maximum concentration in the urine, which remembering that we have limited data, appeared to occur about 45 to 60 minutes after administration. and. Also limited data because there were only six animals to begin with, but it looked like there might have been higher urinary cortisol levels in the males. So what we know from this one is that the intranasal administration does reach the bloodstream, um, and there does appear to be considerable individual differences. Previous studies have shown that increased oxytocin in the cerebrospinal fluid in the brain, but we still don't know what's the distribution, um, how much of that, so how much of that goes to the brain compared to how much is in the serum, and what amount of time is needed after that for it to peak in the cerebrospinal fluid, where presumably it's having the most significant behavioral effect. Um, And we also are not quite sure what was going on with the males having high cortisol in this study could have possibly been because they had urinary catheters placed with no drugs. Um, The females also had urinary catheters, but it's not as uh, invasive because their urethra is not as long. And we need more studies so that we know what are the pharmacokinetics, so what's actually going on with that drug when we put it into the body, where is it going, how long is it staying there, and how high of a concentration are we reaching with different doses. So briefly in between the two I want to talk about today, I do want to say in 2015 there were three other studies that came out on oxytocin. One was that oxytocin affects how dogs react to threatening approach of their owner and unfamiliar experimenters. One was that oxytocin induces positive expectations or positive cognitive bias. And one was about the oxytocin gaze loop and coevolution of human dog bonds. And then in the previous year, there was a paper, oxytocin promotes social bonding in dogs. So there are more papers out there. These are two that I Picked out, not to say that any of the other ones wouldn't have been a perfectly fine choice to talk about as well. So, the second paper, Oxytocin Enhances the Appropriate Use of Human Social Cues by the Domestic Dog in an Object Choice Task, was published in Animal Cognition in February of 2015. And the aim of the study is to test the effect of intranasal oxytocin administration on dog's performance in an object choice task. So an object choice task is when you have, well, this one in particular, they have two bowls on the ground and the owner is restraining the dog. And they are going to either point or gaze at the bowl, which has food underneath it, and then release the dog and count how many out of 10 the dog proceeds to the correct bowl to receive their food reward. So the hypothesis, number one, is that oxytocin is going to improve their performance in the pointing task compared to saline. Number two is that it's going to improve um, gazing at the experimenter and then performance on the gaze task compared to saline. So we end up with 62 dogs after we've excluded some with an even male to female split, so 31-31. And they must be healthy over a year, not pregnant, pregnant, lactating, or visually impaired. And they're going to be randomly assigned to either receive oxytocin as a treatment first and then saline, or saline as a treatment first and then oxytocin. And those treatments are going to be done in sessions 5 to 15 days apart. And during each of those sessions, there's going to be a pointing session and a gaze session. Um, So the outcome that we're looking for is how many out of 10 trials are they getting correct? So within each set During the day, there's going to be five control trials to ensure that there's no bias toward either of the bulls or that they're not using primarily scent to figure out which bull is correct, and they actually are using the cue. And then there's 10 true trials, which are counting. And they're going to do the point test first, and then the gaze test and which bowl the food is under, which bowl they're pointing to, is randomized to the extent that they're never going to be under the same bowl three times in a row. So it's pseudo randomized. I'm not going to talk through the statistical analysis with you. Um, they did several different tests um, for several different reasons. And I'm going to only talk about the more interesting results. So they found that even though both groups did better during the second session, that they had learned from the previous session how to complete the task um, at a higher level, um, the dogs who'd had oxytocin at their first visit and then were performing under the condition of having saline administration at their second visit, still outperform the dogs that had received saline at the first visit and oxytocin at the second visit. And that refers to their performance out of 10 for the point task on their second visit. So, because there was learning from the first visit to the second visit, they only looked at that second visit score to compare the two groups. And so, the dogs that had had oxytocin five to 15 days prior did better than the dogs who had received oxytocin, you know, five to 15 minutes ago. So, there does seem to be some kind of a lasting effect there. So the main takeaway from this study would be that oxytocin appears to have improved their performance even with a lag of one to two weeks after administration. Um, There are still more study needed because there were some gender differences seen in this study um, and possibly there are effects of spaying neutering on the appropriate dose or what the pathway that's functioning is. Um, And for the gaze cue, there was not very clear answers um, for what's going on there, but they think that administering oxytocin may have reduced the amount of aversion dogs had to that cue. So in most situations, they were performing at chance levels, except in the situation where the dog had received saline first. And then that session, they were performing below chance levels. So it seemed that any dog that had been exposed to oxytocin was actually performing a little bit above that level. And This paper does point out that it is important when you're doing a study of behavior that you have a quiet environment to work in because that was one of the things that they were looking at with regards to learning between the sessions is that they didn't actually have a quiet environment to work in. So there might've been a significant amount of habituation happening between those two that made it look like they had gotten better at the task. So we've got uh, two papers here, one proving that it does in fact reach the blood if you put it in the nose and that it it should be having a behavioral effect, although those pathways are not perfectly delineated. And the second showing that there does appear to be some behavioral effect of oxytocin, um, especially in this task that they've chosen, which is the point task. Um, The gaze task seems that, you know, maybe there's something there, but um, not a very powerful result. So let me know what you think. Um, I'm going to put the link to the paper and a link to a discussion group in um, the description of this episode, and you can let me know if you go look at any of those other studies I mentioned, if any of them are much, much um, more impressive, and you'd like me to share those with other people as well. <laughs> This has been Canine Behavior Research Studies podcast, TLDR edition. I'm your host, Michaela Young, veterinarian and dog trainer. Woof!